Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, Ohioan uh, Podcast Network, I guess, for lack of a better term. And we haven't made a name for this show, so I guess we're calling it the review show for now. Uh, we've been over, what's this, the second? Yeah, I'm, I've lost track of time. This is our second version <laughs> of the show. Yeah, I, I, I could have said we've been doing this for 20 years, but we haven't. Clearly. If it's just the um, general review show, then I guess the food one could fit too. So this would be this yeah, would be why, not? <laughs> why not? It's the review of anything. Yeah, the review of anything. The Next week we'll be reviewing a national park. Everybody yes, has to go yes. to the same national park and we'll review <laughs> well, it. And that's why this show could go forever. You know, if we just reviewed like <laughs> NFL teams, you know, after thirty shows, we're done. You know, but eventually now, we'll review our own show. Yes. We'll review the show that we're doing right now. And in heaven one day, you know, hey, you know, 20,000 years from now when we're bright shining as the sun, we'll be sitting there doing the review. It'll be great. How was that yeah. rapture? Did everybody yeah, like yes, that rapture? Yes. No? <laughs> it was okay. It was... Paul, we're all in faith, but you're the pastor guy. Do you think we'll have podcasts in heaven? Um, <laughs> Paul uh, gets very uncomfortable I, I, with that question. I, you probably could. I don't know that anyone will listen, but you probably could. <laughs> well, they talk about fellowship. I mean, I, I guess even the ones that aren't, that'd be great. I mean, we, heck, you know, the Apostle Paul, <laughs> wouldn't that be a great podcast guest? I mean, there you go, man. We, yeah. We're Get also, some of those apostle guests. Yeah. We also, <laughs> well, the three of us also did the Steelers podcast, and we just spent. Uh, time arguing about can we have Mike Sullivan on the podcast or Marcus Allen? Hey, the Apostle Ball would be much better than Marcus Allen and Mike Sullivan. That'd be great. Better than both of them put together. Incredible. Or the namesakes that they keep naming each other about, too. The four of them put together. You know, it'd be great. All right. Well, we're talking review. And last week we talked about Titanic 2. And I overbooked myself in interviews. So we actually didn't release it till over the weekend. But yeah, let us know what you think about Titanic 2. Let us know if you have ideas for future review stuff. Um, probably movies are hard to review. We don't have like an hour and a half to review an hour and a half movie. So probably more like TV shows or... Yeah, it's only, it's only harder or... to review movies if they're all like Titanic 2. Right. That's just... It's hard to, <laughs> Definitely. It's hard to watch an hour and a half of that. And, and talk about it in a limited amount of time. I mean... Right, exactly. That should, if we had all the time to watch, that should be like a 20-hour podcast because there's all kinds of things to break down and yell about but hey let's let's get to it the, the one um i was very pleasantly happily surprised uh this week this was long 
and you know, lots of serious stuff we were arguing about on Facebook. But I finally said, "Hey guys, we got to review something. We got to review something this week." And I threw out there the old show Sledgehammer. I was expecting that these guys would have no idea what I'm talking about, and they would drop my number and never talk to me again. But to my joy and happiness, and my pleasure, and the fact that I'm connected with these guys, they're like, "Yeah, we know this show." And I'm like, "Boy." That's why we're connected. We're close. This is fantastic. <laughs> this is one of those great throwback moments where yes, I totally forgot about this show. Right. Uh, I had yep. completely forgotten that this existed, but as soon as you mentioned it, it was like, oh man, I loved that show. I was yep. young and stupid, and I thought that show was hilarious. <laughs> you well, know, and and it was a it was quite a lesson going back and uh, seeing something from that long ago and like <laughs> judging it by today's standards, you're like, Oh yes. man, what, what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> and the great thing but about to that, be fair, you know, I'm like 12. So yeah. Well, and the, <laughs> 14, the great thing about 14 when this came out. Yeah. It was 88, right? Was that the debut? Yes. Yep. Okay. 88. Yep. Wow. Um, 88 and, and 89. It was only two seasons. Yes. And let's, Tell people what it's about. Somebody might be like, what, is this Peter Gabriel song, uh, show or something? No, it, it's a police, I don't know, like, mockumentary. Not, not a mockumentary. Not a mockumentary, yeah. Uh, police satire. Yeah, I, I found yep. the right word for it. Um, and it was done kind of in Making a... Making fun of those edgy cops, like yes, Mel Gibson yes. and uh, Lethal Weapon, that kind of thing. Well, right, I, Lethal Weapon, and it was a direct response to um, the Dirty Harry movies. Well, and if you think I mean, about the success it too, of the, the the idea got sold right after the fourth Dirty Harry movie. Yeah, uh, that was when it was like let's capitalize on this as a television show because initially it was written as a screenplay, and then developed into a television show. Well, and if you think about it too, it was like right after the time of Police Squad, which is kind of like a satirish, um, mm -hmm. you know, police show. Uh, Naked Gun. You think about you know Leslie Nielsen. You know, he had a couple versions of Naked Gun. I what was Naked Gun? Was that after Sledgehammer? I'm trying to figure out the time. Mm, you know I mean? That's a great uh, question. Uh, well, like in the didn't the Naked Gun movies come out after? Because there was a police show in uh, a show like Police Squad or whatever. Yeah, that was connected. Yes, uh, the uh, which came. Nineteen eighty-eight was when the first Naked Gun was released. Oh wow! What about the show? Was that before or after Police Police Squad? Um, yeah, I think I think that was older. Maybe not a ton older, but I think it was before eighty-eight. Paul, uh, I mean Joe's a researcher, so I see Joe. I'm, I'm looking it up right <laughs> now. Away. Oh, it was that was. In I, the I 70s. just remember there's. Yeah. Oh. Oh, eight. Yeah, I just 82. remember them. 82. Okay. I just remember one scene of them there. Uh, the cop and the bad guy are both hiding behind trash cans, shooting at each other, missing. And then the camera pulls back and the trash cans are like side by side. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it's funny. It, it, it's, a, it's a different kind of humor. So the, the, the police squad and then ultimately the, um, the, the naked gun series were much more slapstick. Yeah, style comedy like the those kind of cutaways and the like ridiculousness of that stuff, and they they were playing off of that seventies cop tropes uh, as yeah. well. Uh, and then the Dirty Harry series, uh, which spawned uh, Sledgehammer, uh, 
Well, their their spoof of Dirty Harry was to take the to go to further extremes, the Dirty Harry ultra violence, like love for violence. His bumper sticker said I heart violence. Yes. On that beat up uh green car that had bullet holes in the windshield because he didn't care that he was shooting his own windshield. He was just shooting straight at the bad guys. <laughs> Or the yeah, jaywalkers, yeah. or whatever it would be, but to overplay the uh, violence, that ultraviolence. So it was much more deadpan, the style of humor, rather than being the ridiculousness of uh, Police Squad. Well, and, shoot and up the vending machine because it doesn't work. Yes, which what makes is- the can shoot out. I don't know how that <laughs> all of a sudden the thing is spring loaded now that it has a bullet from a 44 Magnum in it. Well, in Sled starred uh, David Brache, which I don't know too much about the rest of his career. Uh, I was looking up um, some of these guys on Twitter and, you know, we didn't contact them early enough for them to be on. David Brache started a Twitter account like uh, 10 years ago. Uh, he did have 120 followers, but he didn't have any tweets. So apparently he started and he never really um, did much else with it. It reminds me a while back of uh, Aaron Sorkin, who uh, picked up, has a Twitter account. First tweet was, I'm on Twitter now. Second tweet, uh, forget this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you got to think if Rache me on Twitter, you, me, and uh, you know Paul, we'd all be following him. But that might be it. You know, I, I, Absolutely. I, I, I'm sure if, if Dave Rache doesn't have a tweet today. I don't know if he'd have a million followers right away. Are you going to, you going to tag him on this thing? Uh, You know, he's, he's a guy who made a lot of his career out of uh, playing sort of versions of this character, whether or not the show was comedic. He was always kind of an authority figure. He would regularly be that like politician who's dead set wrong, but you know, our hero in the show is going to come in and show him up. Uh, he showed up on the West Wing for an episode uh, where he was es- he had an escort that Sam mm-hmm. Seaborn was dating, uh, but she was actually a professional escort. Um, yeah, just weird little situations like that. This was definitely his biggest featured thing right. with Sledgehammer, but he was also a very talented actor, uh, stage actor. Um, he was uh, Second City in Chicago. If you know about the the imp- the improvisational world, Second City is sort of the the top tier of being an improviser uh, and being a comedian. So many people from SNL come from the Second City. Uh, he was a part of that, and he was so he was in Chicago during the years when the playwright David Mamet was on the rise. So he appeared in a lot of the Chicago premieres of David Mamet plays which is some very serious, very heavily dramatic, very strong language uh, plays during the 1970s. So he was very strong in the, in the theatrical community that would be in Chicago and would take shows to New York on a regular basis. He was a classically trained actor who got this gig as a ridiculous television cop. Well, I'll put this on. It should still be on YouTube. Um, they came out, and I'm looking. Yeah, I still have the DVD set. Uh, the two seasons of Sledgehammer. Yeah, a lot of really interesting documentaries. You do? That's amazing. Well, oh, but man. the, sh- I like the show's now. on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you can go. Well, honestly, you mm-hmm. can go watch the show. On, it's all there on YouTube. It's for free. It's not. I'm sure somebody probably dubbed it from somewhere, but it's very. 
watchable. It's not like this really weird legal feed or anything. So we were but only was supposed a... to review the pilot episode, but I did watch at least one other one to compare oh. the pilot to other things. And it seems like it's per- perfectly fine. You were saying about an right. overdub or whatever. It seems no, perfectly no, it fine good. so far. Anyway. Yeah. I don't think it was released by Sludge, the show or Dave Rochet, no. but no, it, no, no. so it probably wasn't approved, I guess. But no, but you watch the whole series. And I was going to say one of the documentaries on that was on the DVD set was on YouTube because I watched it before. I'm not sure if it's still up. If it's still up, I'll share a link here on the podcast. But it was really good because it talked to the um, the stars about you know what they were thinking, what they were bringing into it, and everything. Um, Rochet, the other. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, that was with the Titanic 2 documentary. We're like, what were you thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking? That. Yeah. <laughs> it was a one-question interview, <laughs> and the actor went away sobbing, going, yes, I don't know what I was thinking. And uh, that's all I did. But no, no it, it was good. And all of them were like, hey, it was fun. It was great. And Paul, like, I was going to ask you, I mean, the thing about Dave Rochet, and, and it was Sledge. I mean, Sledge was the name on the show. He loved his gun, and he loved violence. Yeah. He wasn't always nice to suspects, and already there's a hush over the room because obviously we're in a scary time for that. I mean, it's a, Columbus, it's a different time than 1988. It, well, I will say this: it is a different time in 1988. It would be hard to watch Sledgehammer today and cheer on Sledge, but it was in a such a goofy way where. The issues that we're seeing with police department, and I'm being careful, I don't want to be canceled over this. The issues that we're seeing in police departments today, I don't think a slapsticky guy like Sledgehammer would be the one that's perpetrating that. Like, Sledgehammer was on the way where, yeah, we shouldn't cheer on violence, but he wasn't like the crooked cop of today. It was done in kind of a weird, funny, silly way that wouldn't undertone the police that we see today. Um, I think the right. funny... uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, because it... even like um, the early on in that pilot where uh, you got that shooter on top of the roof, and so he just pulls out a bazooka, blows down the whole yeah. building. You know, on this side of nine eleven, like uh, and, uh, you know. Yeah, so I, I think it, you look at it culturally, and obviously there's, a, but in eighty eight, something. I mean, nine eleven was the furthest thing from our minds. Um, actual police brutality was the farthest thing from our minds. And so you can watch it and be like, Oh, that's so ridiculous. That would never happen. Not realizing there's some truth there, but, and that's, you know, slapstick. I love slapstick. Um, And this kind of is in that wheelhouse and it, unfortunately for slapstick, it doesn't always age well. So that's kind of, but I'm thinking too, I I don't have, I mean, I've watched all the episodes in the past. I don't remember crystalline in my mind, everything that happened. But I don't think there was ever a time where you were like, you know, such a more stuff, I'm going to be tough on the, you know, these criminals and everything. But I don't think you ever saw a time of him, you know, ruthlessly beating up somebody on the show. It was it was very much in a slapsticky kind of thing. I mean, am I remembering this correctly? I just want to make sure. Well, I think there's things yeah, that would happen that, that, the things that would happen when you just say them, they would sound... Right. Like, yeah, horrible. that's why I'm like choosing my words very carefully. The scene, and of course, it's it's place as spoofing Dirty Harry and 
naked, uh, not naked gun, but a uh, uh, lethal weapon and die hard. And these sort of movies and uh, other shows that were, were popular around the time in the seventies cop shows in the sense that they were spoofing and taking to absurd levels, the stuff that you would see on those things, you know, the, the scenes wouldn't come across different, but even in the pilot episode, he gets a, 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 a guy who is, um, a suspect in something in order to question him, he sets him up against a wall, puts balloons against the wall and like closes his eyes or trick shots and shoots the balloons as he's right. shooting directly towards this guy. And of course, again, with his preferred 44 Magnum, uh, uh, hand cannon, uh, you know, it's done in a comedic way in the scene, but if you just describe it cold, yeah, it's yeah, no. <laughs> horrifying. Uh, and the, the like jokes you make right about how like he would, would shoot at jaywalkers, and even right. the scene where he gets laid off, which or gets uh, suspended or, or fired from the police uh, force, which would happen at, like once an episode. Um, in the, in the, I think it's, is it in the second episode or is it in the pilot? Oh, I can't remember. They're starting to blend together. Uh, he goes and is a, a, a crossing guard, but he's still armed with his 44 Magnum. So a car goes through the crossing guard thing and almost hits some kids. So he shoots the car. Um, you know, that doesn't speak well for police brutality in a 2021 context, but, um, you know, totally intended to just be over the top, dirty Harry. Okay, we we got mentioned this. I mean, we still got fifteen minutes left, but we we got mentioned the gun. I mean, it would be weird to talk about Sledgehammer and not mention his gun. I, I thought the funny thing about the gun was the love affair he had, and we're going to talk about talk the, the girl it. in the show, Anna Marie Martin. And there was a show uh, episode or two that kind of said, what if they got together? And then they really got together. Uh, there was always that thought of, will they or won't they with those guys? But that never really happened. But you look at that gun, and, oh, I mean, he would sleep with the gun. He would have his holster on. Like, he would be undressed over in the holster, and he'd have the gun in there. Uh, Joe, you're right, the way he talked to it and everything. Yeah, uh, he talked just, to it. And, uh... Yeah. It had its own pillow. The whole bit yes. in the in the yes. uh, the opening credits, it mm-hmm. has its own pillow. And he like, yeah, they talked about how he talked to it. Uh, I had been looking up some information on some of the uh, the the when it would go to different countries or whatever, and the way that they changed the title of the show and they changed different aspects when it was in Latin America. Their part of their translation is he would call the gun compadre. Which oh, is a okay. which is a you know a, a term for a male friend, and but he would always be referring to the gun as a female, was always very confusing to people. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but they actually named it in that version, which I don't recall it having a name in the actual show. It was just his gun that he would talk to as if it was a woman. The scene of Sledgehammer that always stuck out to me was, and it wasn't during the premiere. It was one of the scenes where he would have a, like, it, on his TV, there would be this gun training thing where they would have a video of, like, a gun target. And in the background, you hear this voice saying, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me. And he's like, ah. Oh. And then he's like, he shoots the TV because he, he, he got frustrated. It was saying, shoot me. He wanted to shoot the TV, which I thought was funny. Um, it made me think about, I loved Indiana Jones, man. If we ever had six hours and when COVID ends and we meet up someplace, 
we need to watch Indiana Jones. That, it's so All much of fun Indiana stuff Jones. About, oh, so much fun stuff with that. One of my favorite parts of Indiana Jones was when there was this guy, he was like some Hindu guy, and he was holding the knives, and he had the knives going around, and he was trying to get Indiana Jones, and Indiana Jones was like, ugh. He pulls that gun and he shoots the guy. It, was, it, it kind of had that same feeling. Because I laughed really hard at both scenes of the sledgehammer and the Indiana Jones. It just made me laugh. But the gun part was now, great. Is, is the backstory to that scene true? That Harrison Ford like had diarrhea that day and it's just wanted to, to end be. the scene? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's supposed to be that he just was not feeling up to do it. So it's supposed to be a whole fight with a whip. It's supposed to be a whole fight with a whip, which they do later in the series. But he would like they're in the desert and he was just feeling awful. And so he just pulled out the gun and it was only happenstance <clears> that the guy responded by falling down. Yeah, it was a That was scene. not I mean, scripted. Oh, oh it, made, it made me laugh. Somebody it's pulled out a gun and fired it, so he fell down. And yeah. Uh, oh, so it looked fun. like it looked like it worked. Oh, it was great. Wonderful scene. Um so the uh so this oh. back to Sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so Alan Spencer, the guy who created mm-hmm. it, apparently he was only like 16 at the time yeah. when he wrote this character. Um, so he was really, really young. Had built some strong relationships by um, by sneaking onto the set of Young Frankenstein, uh, and had befriended Marty Feldman. Uh, on the set, Feldman had spotted this kid on set and recognized that he had snuck onto set and just asked him who he was, and they just bonded really quickly. And so he was able to come back as Marty Feldman's guest several times. So he had made good relationship with Feldman. He was a good friend of Andy Kaufman, um, uh, and he told a story of uh, Andy Kaufman bringing him over to the house and watching forty-eight hours straight of People's Court or something like that. Just that's a very weird Andy Kaufman story, but that's who this guy was. And he wrote several screenplays and, and he wrote, he guest wrote some stuff like some episodes of one day at a time and stuff like that. Um, uh, and so sold this series and headed this series as sort of his first big thing um, based off of having written that screenplay, it just hit at the right time. And then the, the other dirty Harry movie came out. The other story that was I thought was really interesting, uh, you you even made a comment about uh, Sledgehammer, the the uh, Peter Gabriel song. Apparently, right after they finished shooting the pilot, before they even had it edited together and whatever else, is when Sledgehammer became a giant hit. Whoa! Okay. And so it's the correlation is strong that that song became a big hit right where they were putting together the pilot. And then the pilot got picked up. The song actually got used to promo the show because it was already a big hit. So, you know, it's those kind of things happen and it's, you know, it's a lot of coincidences, but it's entirely, it's probable and likely that because the song was a big hit already, that it helped carry Sledgehammer a little bit through some of the early rough times because any show you, the pilot episode is always really rough. You know, pilot episodes are what they uh, ask somebody to make when they don't know whether or not, not they want to make it a full se- se- a show yet. Um, so they often don't have their own set. They don't have their own production crews yet. They're just like running around on somebody else's set to uh, 
<laughs> to shoot this episode just as a proof of concept that this can work. And so it usually takes a couple of episodes into the first season, sometimes a whole first season before you really find your legs with a series and figure out what it is and how to write for these specific actors and that kind of stuff. So whenever you go back now and binge a season or a series, those first, that first season, the first couple of episodes are always just a little bit not, not, not firing on all cylinders yet. Okay. Yeah. But to have him in the pilot taking target practice in his living room, having his neighbors yelling at him. And then he picks up the phone. He's like, Hey, come on, have some courtesy. I'm on the phone. Right, quiet down. Well, he had his headphones on. He had the. <laughs> <laughs> well, he couldn't hear them before. Well, we we Come got on, about, people. We, we got about six minutes left. So I want to touch on three real quick things. So let me know what you think about this. I, I thought we got to mention the TJF part of it because ABC had TJF at that time, and you think about TJF. You know, yeah, Perfect Strangers. Yeah, Family Matters with Urkel. Kind of a and again. Yeah, a little cringy at points thinking about 2021 with police and everything. But it was a very slapsticky type show back then. But I always saw it as a weird mix for TJF, even though it wasn't really dark. It was more slapsticky. It kind of weird to have her on around the same time as Urkel and, you know, Balky, right? True. It was, a, was this in a, the. Was it the 9.30 slot or. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't, it was strange, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if okay. if that if it was probably the later ones of that. Let's see. Oh, so it came on um, the TGIF lineup at the beginning. Started in '85, so we're looking at Webster, wow. Mister Belvedere, Different Strokes, Benson, yeah. uh, and at the very beginning, it would end with either Spencer for Hire or the Fall Guy. Yeah. Sledgehammer came on at the 9.30 spot after Webster, Mr. Belvedere, uh, Sidekicks, Dads, or Gung Ho. Yeah. And then what? Sledgehammer. And it was the lead-in to then whatever happened after that. And for a lot of its run for Sledgehammer, the lead-in was then to 2020. Yeah. Was on <laughs> on Friday um, for different, most different of it. So it's a transition out of Full House, Mr. Belvedere, um, for a while, Max Headroom. There's yeah. a show we should review. <laughs> Max Headroom. Oh, if, if I were, man. If I That's remember crazy. right, like TV Channel 43, and you guys were up in Cleveland at that time, that was kind of like the um, variety. I mean, it really wasn't affiliated with a network at that time. Um, I think... Yeah, I think I was watching Sledgehammer. They were running Sledgehammer reruns too at that reruns, point. Yeah. Because I, I remember watching ABC, but I liked watching reruns. And again, that was in the 80s. I mean, you really couldn't even find videos of some of these shows at that time. So you were either watching it as it happened, maybe you taped it on your VCR player, or yeah, waiting for the reruns. I think it was on a weird like midnight. I would stay up and watch it. It was kind of weird, but it was fun. Hey, the two other actors I want to talk about really quick. Oh, and then I got to mention Alan Spencer, he's active online. So we got to talk about that real quick. Too. There you go. But um, uh, Anne Marie Martin, interesting. Uh, I've always been, 
I guess um, I was more of a Marianne than Ginger. Like if you talk about what kind of ladies you liked as a kid growing up. So I'm more of the, the girl next door than the knockout model, whatever. It was funny. I always looked at Emery Martin as like kind of that girl next door on the show. They kind of tried to portray her as a model. Cause I remember there was a lot of oogling Emery Martin and everything, but she was a fun character. She, yeah, she was good looking, but she, she was tough. She was like the karate, the law of high guy and, and other stuff. I thought she was fun in that show, too. Dro was her character name, yeah. Yes. For all of the over, uh, overly masculine, uh, probably overtly misogynistic stuff that they're clearly trying to spoof uh, with, with Sledgehammer, Dro was a good sort of remedy to that she was very capable she was far more intelligent than than sledgehammer uh always had a much better approach to everything that she was doing and was very physically capable she was you know she had was excellent marksman and all of the uh the martial arts uh, experience and whatever else so she was good a good character that would all uh, would regularly prove his chauvinistic yeah. viewpoint wrong Right. And, and, and Paul, hey, we're all married. We're happily married. You know, glad God's brought us the wives who did. But I got to admit, I don't know about you. I was a teen at the time. I I had a crush on Amory Martin. I mean, she was a good looking girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. 14 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. 14 at the time. I'm how how right to now, stay like, happily married. Yeah, Only answer that set up with yes. Mrs. Yanchek's like, uh, like two feet outside of the screenshot. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. She's sorry. Uh, with I, her martial team. arts training. Absolutely. Right. Last time she goes, hi, God. This thing goes blank. And, you know, everything goes completely. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, this, yeah, this was, is over. <laughs> Anderson Page was uh, the boss. Um, what was the name of the boss? Captain Trunk. Captain Trunk. There you go. I always thought he was a great character. And Paul, hopefully, you can talk more freely about Captain Trunk. Um, I, I thought always it yes, was funny. He appeared on the show. The yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't think I ever had a crush on Captain Trunk, but um, I always loved the Captain Trunk part where he was yelling. It was always fun because he'd always yeah. yell and you always think he might have the heart attack. What did you think about Captain Trunk? Yeah, he was a great character. And just the, at least in the pilot, I'd love to go back and watch to see how that, I'm trying to remember just the, the show, but just how long he had the paper airplane in his hair was very classic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very, he just left it there. I felt a little bit bad for the guy. Like if, if he was uh, the actor, if he was on set and had to yell that loud, like for an <laughs> entire morning of shooting this, these scenes and cause they're shooting all of the, the, the scenes in the, uh, in the station all at the same time. Like if he had to shoot, like had to, had to shot like that for a full morning or full day of shooting, Oh my gosh, that would your blood pressure would be going crazy. You know, yeah. your voice would be completely yeah. raw. Just it was amazing. As over the top as everything else was, he yelled louder than any <laughs> captain or sergeant on any television show ever. Yes. Yes. 
Well, here's, here's what I'm suggesting before we close, because uh, after we go offline, we're going to briefly meet and talk about a show we could talk about for next week. Let us know if you check out the podcast. Please let us know if there's any videos or shows you want us to check out. But we're going to have to make a call after the show, um, and we'll figure out something. I got a couple ideas in mind if these guys don't. But here's what I'm thinking. We already do a Steelers podcast. We already do a review podcast. I hate to ask you guys for a third. So let's pick something at the end of the show. But I am looking on Twitter because we always want to say, hey, can we reach out to some of these people? Dave Roche uh, started a Twitter account like 10 years ago. He hasn't tweeted. Um, I'm assuming he's still with us. He's been in, as Joe said, some other uh, parts. I'm not sure how easily accessible he is. Anne-Marie Martin, I will admit I did a very quick search for her. Other than the IMDb page and Wikipedia page, I didn't see anything else. Um, Harrison Page, he has a uh, tour account that's protected, which means you have to send him a follow request, and if he knows you. I'm wondering if there's other people like us who love Sledgehammer that wants to follow me. He's like, I don't want to talk about that much anymore. Leave me alone. Maybe that's why it's protected. (laughs) I don't know. But it's interesting. I, I looked up Alan Spencer, and Alan is active on Twitter. He has a blue check mark, so he's doing something right in his life. And he tweets. He tweets a lot. He had a couple of tweets in the last day. Nothing recently about Sledgehammer, but I looked at his. Um, you know, on Twitter you can put a, you know, a link to whatever you want to. He chose to do a a website called Sledgehammer Online, and I clicked on Sledgehammer Online. There's a lot of sledgehammer things on there. Um, check this out, guys. Now, this happened a couple years ago, so it's not there. But a couple years ago, they had the 30th anniversary of Sledgehammer. Get this. Wow. It's in San Francisco. I'm not sure if we could have justified a, a group trip to San Francisco. <laughs> but they brought back Alan Spencer, Amory Martin, David Roche, and Harrison Page. I, I kind of uh, love that it was in San Francisco because that, that was one of the things that we looked up. They made a deal about in the pilot it being in San Francisco, but for the rest of the series, nothing from San Francisco appeared ever, including <laughs> like the logo on the wall of the police department did yeah. not say San Francisco. It was in the pilot, but was never in the rest of the series. <laughs> so well, they made a deal about like San Francisco wanted nothing to do with it. They're like, we don't want it here. Uh, yeah. And, and the, even the pilot episode was very clearly shot in LA. It was not, did not look anything like San Francisco at all. 22 it was cracking bucks. me up. <laughs> it was at a comedy club. And I think they had another comedian perform, but man, if we were anywhere near the area, man, 22 bucks to see the, the four, the great four on stage. I mean, Hey, why not? Who's that great for? You some people might think the Beatles to us. Maybe it was no, Sledgehammer. No. Maybe it the was original the original cast. The, wow. the cast and creator of Sledgehammer. So <laughs> this next week, here's what I'm proposing. We're, we're going to show in a minute or two. We'll briefly discuss what's going on next week. And we'll announce it because hopefully we can get some other people to join us and watching whatever we're going to watch. But I will reach out to Alan Spencer, and I'm wondering if we should – postpone our whatever our review is going to be for a week if we can get the great Alan Spencer on. And, and what if we say, hey, we're in the Zoom world. I don't know what state these guys live in. We're all locked down to a certain capacity. Not that we can't go out, but, you know, there's not as much out there to do. Man, what if we, what if we say, Alan, what if you see if these other guys are available too? Yeah, I mean, mostly what 
okay. uh, Alan Spencer is known for these days is as a um, what's referred to as a script doctor. He's a guy who does a lot right. of rewrites on on films and things. So you don't usually see those people's names on the credits, right. but you can make an entire career as a writer in Hollywood and never have your name on a movie or a television show and be a successful writer where you're just fixing other people's stuff. So let's see if we can get you know at least Alan, and maybe we could say. Come on, Alan. What's David or Anne Marie doing? Well, you know, we're talking about a, a Zoom call. We're not saying come over to our house and you know perform the script. We're saying hop online. If you got Wi Fi at the house, go for it. You know what I mean? Should be good. So, all right. All right so that's my big. Uh, it's my big um, hunt this week, and we'll see if I can bring back Alan or one of the guys. Who knows? Or I could be laughed at, and they could be like, "Why are you talking about us? Go away." <laughs> Which might be more likely. So. Entirely right. possible. Well, that's a review show. Less than we think. We talked about Sledgehammer. Oh, you know, okay, we, we, we got to mention this real quick. Um, one of the great things with Sledgehammer, it lasted two seasons. But remember, at the end of the first year, they, in essence, tried to kill everybody off, which they did. <laughs> uh, they had that big bomb. They couldn't explode. And, you know, it goes off, and this the season ends with, uh, trunk yelling hammer, you, you know, and it was funny. And a nuclear the, bomb going off. Yeah, blowing the up the city of San Francisco. I, I got to if you guys linked the documentary. Hopefully, it's still online. Um, they talked about they really thought no one was going to pick it up, and they're like, "All right, we're going to go alpha bang." You know, here we go. Literally, they brought the show back. So if you remember, season two, episode one, it started out with this big explanation going, "Well, you might remember that you know Sledgehammer died." And everyone with the we couldn't unlock the nuclear bomb, so they literally said we're going back five years to tell the story, because in theory you couldn't really do season two because you kill them all off. So it was actually like what do you call it? We call it today like the backstory or the A flashback or yeah yeah doing the backstory prequel or, but, but, yeah prequel thing. or or there's a name for what there's a name for when you look at like the like the Star Wars movie and the Star Trek they're like. We're going to tell their backstory. Yeah, the prequel, whatever. Yeah. Well, in essence, it could win for five more years. And Until if, they caught yeah. up. Although yeah. it was totally absurd because he only met Darrow right before <laughs> the bomb went off. But they went back five years and they were <laughs> and still Darrow's partners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally didn't follow it at all because there wasn't, you couldn't go online and rewatch it. There wasn't right. any. There, you know, it wasn't in syndication. <laughs> you couldn't see right. it anywhere else. You would right. never think, like, oh, you who knew? But yeah, absolutely. They also got into some weird trouble at one point because they were playing around. The uh, colorization was a big thing that was happening during the late '80s, and so they shot an episode in black and white and really? colorized it and messed with the colors and made them really super crazy. Okay. And. Everybody freaked out because they thought their televisions were messed up. And so Alan Spencer had to rec to record an explanation that we did that on purpose with the show so they could play it at the phone bank because they were getting so many phone calls about how the color was messed up. But they had done it on purpose to joke on the recolorization of stuff. We need to have if we if we're fortunate enough to have Alan the show, we, we gotta figure out 
some other thing. Because, yeah, you can't. How many bring people some... are asking this guy for interviews? I oh yeah, would, yeah. It'll I, be I, hilarious. He'll probably I, take I, us I up you, on it because who else wants to talk sledgehammer? Right. In twenty twenty one, I could tweet Alan now, and I'm sure Alan's like, "Oh yeah, we're, we could probably sure. have Alan on the podcast." Can I come on right now? Mm-hmm. now? Yeah, I got nothing better going on. But no, but, but the thing would be is. What could we bring back Sledgehammer as? Like, obviously, it would be awkward to say, let's put him in a police department right now. But is there anything else that Sledge could be Sledge in a different mode? Like, you know, you know, we, we could talk about Fraser in a couple weeks in a review show. You know, Fraser's talking about reboot. How do we bring Sledgehammer back? So it's something to think about. But we should go because, like I said, we we have to have a big meeting. Don't, don't be afraid. It's just what we're going to talk about next week. And my plans to stalk Alan Spencer, so it'll be good. All right. Well, guys, as always, it's fun. Uh, we had fun. Also, check out our Steelers podcast. You might be like, I don't like the Steelers. Our morning show, you know, one of our co-hosts uh, keeps telling me, I don't like the Steelers. Why? And I'm like, we have fun. We yell at each other and yell at stuff, and it'll be pretty good. So check us out. Um, and subscribe to us on the podcast. We have sponsors. Click on our sponsors. Be nice. Follow Joe. Follow Paul. Paul's doing stuff with his camera, but follow me anyway. It'll be great. So, all right. For Joe and Paul, it's Chris. Have a good one. And we'll see you next week. Hopefully, we found it, or if not, some other funny thing we found that we want to uh, talk about. All right. Have a good one, guys. Talk to you later. Bye bye.